Go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 John. 1 John, we've been here the past couple weeks and we will be here for several more weeks. So 1 John, we are in chapter 2 at this point. So 1 John chapter 2, we're going to continue our study through the letters of John, learning how to walk in truth, obedience, faithfulness, and love. Not just living life the way we want to live, not just going about believing about things about God just that seem good to us, but believing what God's Word says about who He is. Believing these things, believing the truth about God, um, walking in faithfulness to Him, walking in love, love for God, love for one another, and being obedient to Him in all we do. So that's the purpose of this series, is just, is just to challenge us and to help us as believers to be stronger in our faith, to be more faithful to God, and to live for Him in all aspects of our lives. So let's, let's just dive right in tonight. Uh, pray with me, and then we're going to read our text for tonight. Father, as we consider Your Word tonight, uh, God, the weather is kind of cold and, and rainy, and Lord, that affects our moods, it affects our attitudes, our minds, and so Lord, would you just give us a little bit of energy right now as we study your word, as we, as we talk about these things, as we hear your word, God, give us ears to hear your word clearly, what you, what you have to say, give us eyes to see what your word says, and minds that would understand it, God, that would comprehend your truths, understand what your word says, and God, hearts that would boldly see it. And would be ready to receive it. We soft soil that would respond in obedience to you. That would be good, good seed planted on good soil. So, Lord, I pray that you would just help me tonight to rightly divide your word, rightly divide this truth, God, so that it would be pleasing to you most of all, but also edify all of us here tonight. So, Lord, we love you. We're thankful for this time that we get to gather together, and uh, we love you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. First John chapter two. Hopefully you super summer guys or, and girls are making some progress through chapter 2. Got just a couple more weeks before it's due. So 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 7. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, which is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness, and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. A couple of things that we need to consider from this text. First, in verse 7, we see that John is writing not a new commandment, but an old commandment. So we see this old but new commandment. This old but new commandment. John begins a section of verses by addressing these believers with an endearing term. Earlier in chapter 2 and verse 1, he writes, My little children, I'm writing these things. Here in verse 7, Beloved, I'm writing these, uh, writing you no new commandment. And then later on in, in verse 18, children, it is the last hour. We see these endearing terms that John is writing to these believers. He loves these believers, right? He's not writing to people he doesn't know. He's not writing to non-believers. He's writing to Christians that he knows and loves. 
So throughout this letter, you'll see that John is very pastoral in how he, how he addresses the believers. He addresses them with love and with care as he instructs them, encourages them, protects them from false doctrine. Remember, one of the reasons John wrote this letter was to protect them, to combat false teaching that was taking place in the church, right? And to give them confidence in the Word of God, to give them confidence in who Jesus is, to assure them of their belief in Jesus. So John had just mentioned to them, if you look back in verses 1 through 6, what we talked about last time, he had just mentioned to them how keeping God's commands results, in verse 5, in the love of God being perfected in them. And now he's telling them to move, or how they ought to love others because of their fellowship with God. So this is how you ought to love God. Your love, the love of God will be perfected in you as you keep my commands, you keep God's commands. And now we're moving to talk about how we are to love one another. How believers are to love each other. John refers to, as I mentioned, an old, but also a new commandment. He said, I write you no new commandment, but an old commandment. That is from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it's a new commandment. So which is it, John? Is it an old commandment or is it a new commandment? What do you think John means by saying, this is an old commandment, but not an old commandment, but it's a new commandment? What do you think he means by that? Anybody? Anybody got any thoughts on what John may mean by an old commandment, but maybe not an old commandment, but a new one? No? Nobody? Yeah, that's good. It's the new fulfilling the old. He says an old commandment that you had from the beginning. So as I mentioned, John's writing this to believers, right? This old commandment that they had from the beginning was the commandment of love. Which we see in very clearly verses 7 through 11, this theme of just loving one another. So this old commandment that they had from the beginning, it's not talking about from like in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That's not what John's talking about. He's talking about the beginning of their faith in Christ. You've had from the beginning. As you learned about the gospel, as you heard the gospel proclaimed, as you learned what it's meaning to be a Christian, you have known that you are to love one another. Even in the Old Testament, in Leviticus 19, 18, the command to love your neighbor as yourself is also there. To love your neighbor as yourself. That's a command that we see back in the Old Testament. But now here in the New Testament, you know uh, John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He said, a new command I give you. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also shall love one another. And by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So it's an old commandment because these guys already knew that they were supposed to love one another, right? You as a Christian, you know you're supposed to love other people, right? You know you're supposed to do that. You know. They had it from the beginning. Love, loving others is one of the fundamental doctrines that you learn as a believer. That's one of the first things you learn. Is you're to love people. You're to love God, love people. When Jesus was asked what the greatest commandment was, He said, it is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So loving God, loving people. Love is wrapped up in the fundamental doctrine of being a Christian. So you, you know this. These believers knew this. John's saying, it's an old commandment. You've had it from the beginning. But at the same time, it's a new commandment. Now what makes this new? Henson kind of alluded to it earlier. The, the new fulfilling the old. So what does this mean? What does this mean? Jesus, again, I got ahead of myself in John 13, but he said, a new command I give you, love one another. They already had that command. Jesus adds on to it. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So Jesus perfectly fulfilled what it means to love others. 
This is what it means that it's a new commandment. It's a new commandment because the command to love others has been fulfilled in a new way in Jesus. His death on the cross and His resurrection from the grave give new power to loving others. So because Jesus perfectly loved people while He was here on earth, He perfectly loved the Father, perfectly loved people. He lived a perfect life and demonstrated to us how this was to be done. He did this by living a perfect life, dying on the cross, raising from the grave. And then He enables us to be able to do this. So because of what Jesus did for us, we are able to love others more fully. We can love others in a new way because of Jesus, because of what He has done for us. He gives us the power to do so. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us and allows us to be able to love other people. Because naturally, you and I cannot love other people as Christ loves them. As Christ loved His disciples, you and I can't do that naturally with other people. By our nature, we're just kind of unloving people. We can be friendly, but we can't love with the same kind of love. So because of Jesus, we are able to love others more fully. And because of what Jesus did, you and I don't have an excuse not to love others. We're commanded to love others and we don't have an excuse. Well, I don't really feel like it. Why well, I don't know them that well. Well, they, they did this to me. Well, that doesn't matter. Jesus says, just as I have loved you. And how did he, God demonstrate his love for us? You guys should know this. God demonstrated his love for us, Romans 5, 8, in that while we were perfect, while we were trying to be good, no, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, while we were enemies of God, He died for us. Then He told His disciples, in the same way that I've loved you, you're also to love one another. So this love that we experience in Christ, we're to show this to others. And we don't have an excuse not to do it. So this is an old commandment that we've all known from the beginning of being a Christian. You know to love people. But it's a new commandment because we can do this more fully in Jesus. And we have no excuse not to love others. Because Jesus, the true light, the true light has revealed the kingdom of God to us and has perfectly loved us, we are able to love others. And we are also commanded to love others. We're commanded to love others. It's not an option. So we see this old, but not an old commandment, but a new commandment. It's kind of hand in hand there. But also we see this next point, loving, not hating. Verses 9 through 11. Loving, not hating. The old but new commandment that John gave was to love others, right? To love others. We've established that. Loving others in the way that Jesus did enables us to the way, sorry, loving others in the way that Jesus did and enables us to do is proof that we belong to the kingdom of God, right? The way we can do this. It is proof that a person is walking in the light and has fellowship with God. You see this in verses 9 through 11. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brothers in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because he's blinded by the light, or blinded by his eyes. Darkness is blinded by his eyes, sorry. So love and light go together. If you look at verse 9, it's very similar to what we see in verse 6 of chapter 1. Verse 9 says, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brothers in the darkness. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 6, it says, If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So you see it's kind of hypocritical statements of you say you have fellowship with God, but you're not walking in the light. Well, if you say that you uh, are in the light, but yet you hate your brother, you're proving that you're in the darkness. 
So if you say you're walking in the light of the kingdom of God, if you say you have fellowship with God, yet you have hatred toward other people, then you don't know what you're talking about. And you prove that you don't know God. And you don't belong to the kingdom of God. You're still living in the realm of darkness. You're still in the darkness. Notice these similar comparisons there. And I've spoken generally of other people. I've, I've said loving others, loving others. But really, John, if you look what he says, whoever is in the light and hates his brother, verse 10, whoever loves his brother, verse 11, whoever hates his brother, he's talking about other Christians. So if you claim to be a Christian and you hate other Christians, something's not right. There's something wrong with that. Because as a Christian, you should have a love for other Christians. You should, you should have a love for all people because all people are created in the image of God. And therefore, we all should love all people. But especially, especially those who belong to God. You and I should love one another. Love our brothers, our sisters. That word brother, the brothers and sisters. On the other hand, those who love their brothers abide in the light. So if you say you love your brother, but really, or if you say you're in the light, but really you, you hate your brother, then it's proof you're not walking in the light. But if you love your brother, you're proving that you walk in the light. You walk in the light. You're walking in fellowship with God because of how you love your brothers. Jesus, again, told his disciples in John 13 that by this, by your love for one another, all people will know that you're my disciples. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another. So people know you belong to God by how you love other people. By, how you by many reasons. How you live for them. How you love God. How you live for God. But a very visible way that people know you're a Christian is how you love other people. How you love your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's a very visible way that people know. And then if you continue on in verse 10... Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there's no cause for stumbling. There's no cause for stumbling. What does that mean? A lot of times in the New Testament, almost every time in the New Testament, stumbling has to do with causing to sin. So you've heard the uh, whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble. That passage, whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, it's better than a millstone was tied around his neck and thrown into the ocean. Yeah, you've heard, you remember that passage? You're familiar with that? To cause one of them to stumble, one of them to sin. This intentionally causing them to, st- to sin. And so what does it mean that whoever loves his brother, in him there's no cause for stumbling? That means, well, think about it. If you're loving other people, and you're genuinely loving other people, you're loving your brother, you're not going to be causing them to sin. But think about this. How many of you know somebody who's very unloving? Very, just very, you, when you see them walk up, you know they're just going to be critical about something. They're going to just say something that's very unloving and it just it makes you think bad thoughts about them. It makes you want to just maybe do something to them, even, even just hurting them or just you know, getting frustrated with them. It causes you to sin, like Destin. I mean, he, he can be very unloving. It makes me want to just, nah. nah, I'm just messing. But you know those kind of people who are very unloving, and it just causes you to, your attitude, your spirit to be just down, and it can cause you to sin. But when you love other people, as Peter says, Peter says in 1 Peter 4, 8, love one another. Keep, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers what? A multitude of sins. And so if you love other people, if you love your brothers and sisters in Christ, 
It will cover a multitude of sins. And you're not going to be causing anyone to stumble because why? Love overlooks that. Love covers that. Love looks past that and says, you know what? You've sinned against me, but I sinned against Christ. And Christ loves me. And even if you've sinned against me, I'm still going to love you because I'm commanded to. And because others will know that we belong to God. So having fellowship with God means you walk in the light as He is in the light. We established that in chapter 1, verse 7. Walk in the light as He is in the light. And the result of having fellowship with God is that you will have fellowship with one another. The end of verse 7 tells you that. And also that you will love others. You will love others. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light. John says in verse 11 that those who hate their brothers rather than love their brothers are still living in darkness. They still live in darkness. Now, as a Christian, you may get mad with a brother. You may be angry with a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe angry with other people. But if your lifestyle is just you don't like being around God's people, you continually hate other Christians, it's proof that you do not belong to God, that you do not belong to the kingdom of God, and you're still in darkness. Look at verse 11. But whoever hates his brother is still in the darkness and walks in the darkness or lives in the darkness, belongs to the darkness. And they don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. They don't know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. Those who hate others show they still belong to the realm of darkness and are still controlled by their sins. Still controlled by their sins. They don't know where they're going because their sin has blinded them from seeing the light. Sin blinds us from seeing the truth. It blinds us from seeing the light. And what's tragic about this is that a lot, when, you, when you see people who are so caught up in, in hatred or sin and they're living in darkness, a lot of times people become blind to that. They become numb to that. And they don't even realize that they're walking in darkness. They don't know where they're going. They're, they're, they're blind. They're numb to the fact that they're in darkness, even if the light's right in front of them. Think about how many people rejected Jesus when He was here on earth. The true light had come into the world, but people rejected Him. They did not listen to Him. That's what happens when people get so caught up in their sin and they're living in darkness. This is why John was so passionate about these believers knowing the truth and walking in fellowship with God. He wanted them to know the truth and to walk in light, to walk in fellowship with God. And he was strongly instructing them to abstain from sin, to stay away from sin, to stay close to God, cling to God, walk with God, stay away from sin. Because why? Sin binds us. It has a hold on us. It controls us. And it also blinds us to the light. It blinds us to the truth. We cannot live sinful lives and expect to see or experience the truth of God. You can't just continually live in sin and expect to see the truth of God because you're not seeking, you're not seeking God. You're not seeking the truth. You're, you're living in sin. That's why it's so important as a believer that you do not just remain in sin. That's why you abide in Christ. You don't pursue sin. You don't allow sin to just fester up and stay within you. That's why you confess it to God. And He, will, he is faithful and just to forgive you. And when we do sin at the beginning of chapter 2, John reminds us that we have an advocate with the Father. He is the propitiation for our sins. So we go to God. We go to Jesus Christ because He can forgive us our sins because that is the only way we can have right standing with God. Think about this. How many people do you know that they just seem oblivious to the fact that one day 
They're going to stand face to face with God for judgment. Do you think about that? I'm sure you're you're aware of it. You've thought about it. You've heard it in church. You've read it in the Bible. But how many people do you know that you see on a daily basis who are clueless about this? Who are oblivious? Who are not thinking about facing God one day for judgment? And as Christians, we have hope. Romans 8.1 tells us that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation for anyone in Christ Jesus. So we don't have to be fearful because we rejoice in, in Jesus, who is our advocate, who is our propitiation. But how many people do you know that just live their lives completely unaware of the fact that one day they will stand face to face with God? They're blinded by their sin because they're just doing life their own way. They're not seeking after God. They're just living however they want to live, believing whatever they want to believe, and thinking that God will be okay with that. We think so lightly of sin. We think so lightly of just how we live our lives. Well, if, I just, if I'm sincere in what I do, then God will honor that. Not if you're sincerely wrong. Well, if I'm just genuine, well, you can be genuinely wrong. God is looking for worshipers who will worship Him in spirit and in truth. Not in spirit and however you want to. However you think is right. Do not be blinded to the reality of life. That we are sinners who stand before a holy God. And the only way we can be justified and forgiven of our sins is through Jesus Christ, the righteous, our advocate and propitiation. For our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is the way to salvation. Jesus is the way that we can have forgiveness of our sins. That we can be justified, be cleansed, be counted as if if we have done no wrong. Not because of anything we've done, but because of Jesus Christ, who was the righteous one. Who was the advocate for us. Who stands before the Father, interceding on our behalf. Who was our propitiation. Who died in our place. Who gave the sacrifice and who was the sacrifice for sin. We do not need to be blind to this reality that we are sinners. That all people are sinners, as Romans 3.23 tells us. We've all fallen short of God's standard. And we are blinded by our sin. And it is only through the gospel, only through the word of God, that we can see the light. It's only when we look to Jesus, who is the light of the world, that we can be freed from this darkness. And lastly, we see in verses 12 through 14 that John gives some comfort and some confidence. Some comfort and some confidence to these believers. John, John really, he gets to this point and essentially calls a timeout. He's, he gets to this point in the letter after writing chapter 1, getting halfway through chapter 2, he's like, let's take a break. Time out for a second. He wants his readers to catch up, to pause and to catch up just to kind of make sure we're all on the same page. John provides comfort and confidence to these believers as he's laying out all this truth before him. So let's think about what we've seen so far. Up to this point, he won't, he's given them Instruction. He's, he's taught, giving them correct teaching about Jesus, His incarnation, His humanity. We've seen this, this correct belief. He wants them to have correct belief about who Jesus is. He want, he's concerned with the way they live. He wants them to practice holy living, walking in the light, abiding in Christ, walking in fellowship with God. He wants them to have love for God. He wants them to have love for one another. He, he's, he's making sure, he, he's taught them all this. And then verse 12, he says, Here we go. Let me remind you 
of why I'm writing this to you. All right, do I have your attention? Because I'm going to remind you why I'm writing this to you. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for His name's sake. He don't want to leave out the more mature believers, so He says, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. And those guys who may be in between, not, not as mature spiritually as these guys, but they're not baby believers. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And then He reiterates all that. I'm, I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. He takes his pause before he gets into this next section of not loving the world. And then warnings concerning the Antichrist in the rest of chapter 2 in this letter. He gets to this point. It's like, before we go any farther, I want to make sure we got this foundation strong. When I was, and Ivy and I were getting ready to build our house, it took a while for them to, they had to dig these trenches and pour concrete and do all these things and pour slab and do all this. And it took a while before we started framing. Because if you didn't get the foundation right, if we just kind of got it halfway settled, if it was kind of halfway done, wasn't really ready to move on to the to framing, and the, the house would it would be tilted, it'd fall apart, it'd split some things, it just wouldn't be right. That's, that's essentially what John is doing here. These are some foundational things that you need to know as a Christian about knowing the truth, believing the correct things about Jesus, about walking with God, staying in fellowship with Him, loving God, loving other people. Before we move on to anything else, let's make sure we got this right. Are you with me? Or do you understand what I'm saying? Have I got your attention here? All right, let's, let's do it here. That's, that's essentially what John is, is saying here. We see this parallelism of these three verses. The, I'm writing to you little children. I'm writing to you fathers. I'm writing to you young men. And he repeats it. I'm writing to you children. I write to you fathers. I write to you young men. And these, these three stages, these three groups should be viewed as, as spiritual stages in a person's life. So let's, let's look at these uh, quickly as, as we'll move through. So he says, I write to you children. I'm writing to you children. And we'll just kind of look at these both as we're talking about the children. I write to you children because your sins have been forgiven for his name's sake. And then down a little bit later, I write to you children because you know the father. John's reminding these believers that he is writing that, uh, that he's writing to that their sins have been forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven in Jesus Christ. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Do you believe that? Do you believe that your sins are forgiven in Jesus Christ? A lot of times people want to hold on to their sin or they want to be weighed down by their sins. Well, you know, I, I know I'm saved, but man, there's no way God's going to forgive this. God says, God's word says that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Do you believe that? Do you take God's forgiveness of your sins seriously? He's writing to these believers saying, look, you've held fast to the faith. Christ has saved you. Your sins are forgiven. That's the same truth for us. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, He has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And you're following Him. Your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven for His name's sake. And because you know the Father. They know the Father. And at the beginning, just think about your Christian life. I mentioned this is, this is kind of in stages, but when you, when you first become a Christian, you just want to know God. 
You want to know God and you want to, you want to know Him. You depend on God for everything, to give you everything. And, and God, God's going to meet your every need. And He, he does that throughout your life. But it, it's just like a little child. Think of John Malcolm. Think of Annie Jo. Just, they're back here, these, these babies who just, they're dependent on everything. They, they're just looking, just, Dad, Mom, I need you. And, and of course, we meet their needs. That's the same way we come to God. In the very beginning, we just, God, I need you. God, I just, I need you. Sometimes we don't even know what we need. We just know that we need God. John's writing to them because their sins are forgiven and because they know the Father. You can know the Father. That's a privilege we have and a, and a, and a truth that we can hold on to. That you know the Father. Then he addresses the fathers. The fathers, the, the more mature, probably the spiritually mature believers in the congregation. All right, Fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. I write to you fathers because you know Him who is from the beginning. He repeats that same exact phrase. I, you, because you know Him who is from the beginning. And I think of people I know who are older in their faith, who are more mature in their faith, and they're just content with knowing God. They're, they're, not, they're not at this elementary level of knowing God, but they're, they're content, they're satisfied. They're still fighting the good fight, but they're just looking unto Jesus, looking to being with Him for all of eternity. They're looking forward. They know God. They're more mature in their faith. They're more content in just knowing God. And these young men, because you've overcome the evil one. You've overcome the evil one. You're strong. The Word of God abides in you and you've overcome the evil one. These are ones that are younger in their faith and and they're, they're strong. They've overcome the evil one. John says that twice. Probably because you, you remember John wrote this to combat some, some false teaching that was taking place. Some people were having deficient beliefs about Jesus. They weren't believing the complete truth about Jesus. They were believing certain things that they wanted to believe about Jesus, but not the entire truth. And John is saying, you guys, you guys are fighting this fight. You're holding fast to the faith. You're believing in this. And the Word of God is abiding in you. The Word of God abides in you. And because the Word of God abides in you, you've overcome the evil one. You're strong. Stay fast in the faith. Hold fast to the faith. And before John continued on any further with instruction or teaching, he wanted to make sure that his foundation thus far was strong. Those in Christ, these believers that John was writing to, and you and I here today, those who are in Christ can have a knowledge of sin forgiven. You can know that your sin is forgiven in Christ. You can have a knowledge of how to overcome sin. The Word of God. Walking in fellowship with God. And above all, above all, you can have the knowledge of God Himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So as we consider all of this that we've talked about so far, just... I just want us to, where John is, ends this section of verses right here, I just want us to take some time just to pause and reflect. As we hear the Word of God, as we study it, as we look to how we can apply this to our lives correctly in a way that honors God, I want you to pause and reflect and examine your life. So just, just where you are, just bow your head, close your eyes, and just, just take some time to get along with God. And I'm going to ask you some questions. And think about these questions. Examine your life. Do you believe in Jesus as the Bible has revealed Him? Not the Jesus of your own imagination, but do you believe in Jesus as the Bible has revealed Him? Are you walking in fellowship with God? 
Are you walking in the light as He is in the light? There's no darkness in Him. Are you walking in fellowship with God? Or are you walking in darkness? Are you living your life just in sin? You have sin. You just continually sin and you really don't care. You're just going about your life walking in darkness. Do you have sin that you need to confess? 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In verses 8 and verse 10 say that if we don't have sin, if we've not sinned, if we say we haven't sinned, we're deceiving ourselves. We're making God a liar. And the truth, His Word is not in us. Do you have sin you need to confess? To God? Maybe to somebody else? Are you keeping God's commandments? Are you keeping God's commandments? Chapter 2, verse 5 says, But whoever keeps His Word, in Him truly the love of God is perfected. If you look back in verse 3, by this we know that we've come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Are you keeping God's commandments? Do you love other people, especially believers? Or do you have just hatred in your heart? Maybe just a, you, you don't really like being around other believers, other Christians. Do you love or hate others? Are you assured of Christ's work on the cross for you? Everything we've talked up to this point, as I mentioned earlier, John just paused and one of these believers to just be strong in, this, in, this, in these foundational truths. Are you assured? Are you confident in Christ's work on the cross for you? Lord, as we just pause to just reflect on Your Word, reflect on who You are, God, would You just remind us who You are. Remind us who we are in You. God, again, I pray if there, is, if there is a student here who does not know you, maybe they know about you, they've been around church, they're familiar, but God, they do not know you. They do not walk in fellowship with you. God, would you, would you reveal yourself to them? Help them to see the light. Open their eyes to see the light, that they would not be blinded by the darkness, but God, they would see the light, that they would see Jesus, the light of the world. And God, that they would come to the point to realize their sin, to confess their sin to You, trusting You are faithful and just to forgive them, to believe that You are Lord, that You have died as a propitiation for our sins, that You rose again, conquering the grave, conquering sin and death. And that they would walk faithfully with You. And God, if there's a student here, maybe the first time they've ever really thought about these things, God, would, they just, would you give them the courage to come talk to me, talk to another adult? God, would you just work in our lives? Draw us near to yourself. God, make us more like you. Help us to love you more. Help us to love other people more so that your name will be glorified. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.